G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Never let envy and jealousy get a foothold in your life. Left unchecked, envy and jealousy can lead to far worse. Love looks at what others need. Envy looks at what they have. Today, on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie warns us about its power. It's been said envy shoots at another and wounds itself. That's envy. I'll get you. I'll bring you down. No, you bring yourself down. So nip it in the bud before it crushes you. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Envy and jealousy are insidious. It's like a carrot toward temptation. It's been said if malice or envy were tangible and had a shape, it would be the shape of a boomerang. In a new beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to guard against the returning danger of envy and jealousy. He continues his series, World Changes, with a look at the example left for us by Joseph, a teenager who changed the world. Let's grab our Bibles and we're going to turn to Genesis 37. And the title of my message is The Teenager Who Changed the World. And I'm talking about Joseph. So as our story begins, Dad goes out and gets him a special custom designer coat, a multicolored jacket. The brothers would have work clothes on. They'd be in jeans, right? They, they might have had their sleeves cut out so they would have freedom of movement to work in the fields. Dad gave to Joseph the equivalent of like a tuxedo or, or this super cool designer jacket that would have cost a lot of money, which effectively said he did not have to work. Drop down to verse five. One night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to the dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers said to him, do you think you'll be our king now too? Do you actually think you're gonna reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Well, stop there. You know what, sometimes it's best to keep your dreams to yourself. Was Joseph's dream from God? Yes, it was. Should he have said it in this way to his brothers? Maybe not. Maybe he should have just kept that between him and God and let the Lord fulfill it in his timing. And that brings us now to Genesis 37, verse 18. One day, Joseph is down in an errand. Dad says, go check up on the kids. I keep calling them. I text them. They're not answering. Maybe it's because cell phones don't exist yet but I want you to go find out what they're up to. So Joseph comes 
to the brothers, and we pick the story up in verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance, and as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal ate him, and we'll see what becomes of his dreams. We'll stop there. Reuben was the oldest brother. He should have stood up for Joseph. He knew this is wrong. In fact, it was Reuben that said, well, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him into a cistern. By the way, a cistern is just an empty well. Let's throw him into a pit or a cave, if you will. And he'll just die there. Then we're not responsible for actually killing him. And the scripture tells us Reuben planned on going back later and getting him out of the pit. Well, how about just standing up for his brother? How about just saying, you touch him over my dead body. Back off. But Reuben was later described by his father Jacob as unstable as water. And that was his character. Reuben was the kind of guy that wanted everyone to be happy. He wanted to get along with everyone. He was the kind of guy that would not stand on principle. But while they're arguing this out, poor Joseph is now in a pit. And they're just talking about his future and maybe his death, a group of slave traders come along and one of them has a bright idea, why don't we sell him to the slave traders? Yeah, let's make some money. And they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. But Joseph was not abandoned by God. Yes, abandoned by his brothers, but not by God. Now let's conclude this message. Here's what we can learn from this story. Number one, never let envy and jealousy get a foothold in your life. Jealousy and envy are, the, are among the most deadly sins of the satanic arsenal. Left unchecked, envy and jealousy can lead to far worse. James 3.16 says, whenever you're trying to look better than the others or get the better of others, things will fall apart and everyone will end up at each other's throats. That's a modern translation, but a very accurate one, I would say. Envy is what caused the religious leaders, the Pharisees, to crucify Jesus. Pilate, the Roman governor, accurately diagnosed, according to Matthew 27, 18, he knew for envy they had delivered him. He knew why they brought Jesus. They envied him. Why? Jesus was bad for business. Jesus cared about people. They prayed on the people. Jesus prayed for the people. Jesus wanted to open up access to the Father these religious leaders wanted to drive the people away. They said, let's kill him. We'll never hear from him again. It was envy that motivated them. What a wicked thing envy and jealousy are. Shakespeare called envy the green-eyed monster that mocked. William Penn said the jealous are troublesome to others and a torment to themselves. Isn't that true? The jealous are troublesome to others and a torment to themselves. You know, when you're jealous of someone, it hurts you more than them. You know, they walk in the room and go, oh, here they are. Here comes the dreamer, like the brother said. Oh, here comes Mr. Know-it-all. You know, here comes, you have whatever mockery you use and it makes you feel better. It's envy, it's jealousy. That's why you're saying it. You're so critical, but you just wish you were them. So you want to drag them down. Humans aren't the only ones who are envious. Animals are. Dogs can be jealous. You ever be out walking your dog and you see another dog, your dog lunges at the dog? Get away, it's my owner! Right? Cats, they don't care that much, but... 
But even crabs can be envious. Did you know that? Heard a story about a crab fisherman that was walking along with a pail full of crabs, almost full to the top. Someone said, why don't you put a lid on that? Those crabs will get out. He says, oh no, they won't get out. Well, how's that so? He says, well look, every time one of them tries to climb out, the others reach up and pull them back down. And it's true. You're not getting out of here. You stay down here with the rest of us and get eaten, right? So that's the way it works. Listening to A New Beginning today, and we're hearing from Pastor Greg Laurie. He's the senior pastor from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And he's considering the dangers of envy and jealousy in studying the life of Joseph. The message is called The Teenager Who Changed the World. Let's continue. It's been said envy shoots at another and wounds itself. It shoots at another and wounds itself. I was walking with a friend through a department store while ago and I thought it would be really funny to spray my friend with women's perfume. It just occurred to me. Um, so I, came, I grabbed a tester. I came right up behind him and sprayed him with a perfume. And he started to run and I chased him and I sprayed him. Guess what happened? When you're running with perfume and spraying it, it comes back at you. So it's like, I'll get you. I'll get you. Afterwards, he smelled a little like a girl and I smelled a lot like one. That plan backfired. That's envy. I'll get you. I'll bring you down. No, you bring yourself down. That's why it's a dangerous sin. Hey, it can even enter our marriages. You know, we become very jealous. One story you may not know about is a conversation that Adam and Eve had. One day, uh, Eve said to Adam, I think you've been running around with other women. Adam was like, uh, how would that be, Eve? You're the only woman on the face of the earth. <laughs> uh, and the next night, Adam was sleeping and he woke up to someone poking him in the chest. And it was Eve. He says, what are you doing? She said, just counting your ribs. See, that's, that's jealousy. It's bad. <laughs> By the way, that's not in the Bible. So don't look for it. A Greek myth tells the story of a statue erected in honor of a famous athlete. And a rival athlete was so envious he wanted to destroy it. So every night he would come in and chisel at its base to weaken its foundation. And one night he was successful. The statue came down on him and crushed him. That's how envy and jealousy work. So nip it in the bud before it crushes you. Point number two, God will work all things together for good to those who love God. Again, Romans 8.28, it says, for we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to His purpose. Notice that first part of the verse. And we know. Listen, there are no accidents in the life of the Christian. Only providence. There's no dumb luck. There's no karma. <laughs> There's Christ. We don't believe in fate. We believe in faith. We believe that God is in control. We know this. You need to know this. Because things happen in life that don't make sense, don't they? You say, why is this happening to me? What have I done to deserve such a fate? You ask. Well, I don't know that I have the answer for you, but I know God is in control. I know God is powerful. I know that God is sovereign, which means He's in control of all things. And so we know this. 
What do we know? We know all things work together for good. That means ultimately in God's master plan, good things will result. Now we may not have full resolution till we get to heaven on some things. And God explains it. Or maybe just looking in his face will explain it all. But whatever it is, it'll ultimately work together for good. But for who? For everybody. Is this verse true for every person walking the earth right now? No. It's for Christians. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Let me just conclude with one brief, uh, rapid succession of thoughts, if you will. I want to compare Joseph to Jesus because you can't help but see this. Uh, number one, Joseph was hated and envied by his brothers. And Jesus was rejected by his own. The Bible says he came into his own and his own received him not. Jesus and Joseph were effectively both sold. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Judas betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. Number three, Jesus and Joseph both forgave their enemies. Jesus forgave them hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Joseph extended that same forgiveness to his brothers. Number four, Jesus and Joseph were both thought dead and they were alive again. Now in the case of Joseph, he never died. He was alive, but his brothers thought he had died. And then he came back and forgave them and Jesus was dead. He was killed. He was murdered, but he rose again from the dead. And lastly, what the devil meant for evil, God used for good. Joseph's brothers wished him dead, but God used what happened. In the same way, Satan entered the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Christ. He thought he would silence Jesus once and for all. But in effect, Satan was a lot like that Greek athlete trying to bring the statue down and he came down on him and crushed and killed him. The crucifixion was part of the plan and purpose of the Father because the Bible says it pleased the Father to bruise him. Yes, it's true that the devil was behind the crucifixion. Yes, it's true the devil played a part in the murder of Jesus. But yes, it is also true and it was the Father's ultimate will as he laid all the sin of the world upon Jesus who had never sinned. And listen to this. The greatest injustice in the history of the universe resulted in the greatest good to ever happen. The greatest injustice, the betrayal, the beating, and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ resulted in the greatest good, your salvation, my salvation. So I can hear this message right now and say because of what Jesus did, I'm going to heaven. That's right. That's worth clapping for. But this is only for those who love God. Do you love God? Yes. You know, the only way to really know and love God is to have Christ come and live inside of your heart. And then you can have a real love like you've never known. God loved you so much He sent His Son to die for you. And now you can love Him back by following Him. Maybe you've joined us here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and forgive you of your sin. I've talked about heaven and forgiveness and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know if I'm really forgiven by God. But you can be. You say, how? By asking Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and rose again from the dead to come into your life to be your Savior and Lord. In a moment we're gonna pray and I'm going to extend an invitation for you to believe in Jesus to ask for his forgiveness. If you've not done that yet, 
do it now. Let's all bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much. You sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and laying your life down. Now we pray that your Holy Spirit will convict and convince the folks that are here of their need for you and help them to come to you and believe. Amen. closing prayer from Pastor Greg Laurie. And if you've come to realize that you need to change your relationship with God and make things right, today's a great day. And Pastor Greg would like to help you right now. How can a person know they're going to heaven? Let me say at the outset, I believe I'm going to heaven. In fact, I'll take it a step further. I know I'm going to heaven. You say, Greg, isn't that kind of arrogant? Not really. Because I know this because God has made a promise to me, and I've believed that promise. The Bible says, we write these things to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. I've believed on the name of the Son of God, thus I know I'll go to heaven when I die. Here's my question to you. Do you believe on the name of the Son of God? Is there any more important issue than that? I can't think of one. So I'd like to lead you in a simple prayer. And this is a prayer where you will be asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin, and you'll be asking him to be your own Savior, friend, Lord. It's a prayer only you can pray. Pray these words if you would. Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner, but I know that you are the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. I want to believe in you. I want to follow you. I want this relationship with you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and rising again from the dead. And I thank you that you've heard this prayer. And I believe you've come into my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And we'd love to help you by sending something called our New Believers Growth Packet. If you prayed today, it's a great way to get started living as a Christian. And we'll be glad to send it to you free of any charge or obligation. Just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you contact us on 1-800-005011. Well, on Monday, Pastor Greg opens the next chapter in Joseph's life. As he rises to prominence in the household of Potiphar, he faces perhaps the greatest test. More on that on Monday on A New Beginning. copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. Search The Teenager Who Changed the World at visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.